I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. Studio with Jay Halim. I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. You are now in the studio with Jay Halim. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jay Halim. We are back for another dope episode of Star of Talk. Yes, yeah, stop telling me I'm telling you all my episodes are dope because I know they're dope. I'm looking for dope people. Everybody who want to be on here can't be on here because they don't understand what Star of Talk means. So I want to talk to them if they don't understand that. <laughs> I don't want to bring them <laughs> to you guys <laughs> if they don't understand that. But this lovely sister right here, you know, um, oh, my God. You know, I fell in love with her when she interviewed me. But more importantly, you know, that doubled down when she interviewed my daughter and the love that she showed my daughter and my family thus far. And we've become family at a distance. And um, I've just been watching her move and shaking the inspiration that I get from her because I'm seeing her do things that when I was 20 years ago, when I was in college and things I thought about doing, all the people had bad stuff to say about, you know, about Oh, you you be an author. You're not gonna make no money. You trying to be an actor. You trying to do this. Oh my God, you better get a real job. And and I'm watching this sister crush things at this portion of her life. Now she's only in her late 30s or whatever, but it's not the point. It's not the point. <laughs> you know, a lot of people quit. They don't see that they can make these type of moves early in their life. And so um, she just inspired me. So I said, hey, I would love to have her on. And she happily accepted. So here you guys are with the beautiful, lovely Nisi J. Thank you so much for coming on and, and chilling with me. Oh, thank you for having me. I so appreciate you. You have no idea. You have no idea. No, I mean, thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Just your energy is everything. Um, you're such a nice individual. And that's, you know, people say those things in passing, but today's world we living in, that's a very important thing. It's always been important to be nice, but you can't say that about a lot of people no more. You know? No, not, not today. Not yeah, today. you just can't just, say that. We see that every day. It's yeah, <laughs> you can't just say that. You can't just expect people to, uh, to live by the golden rule. You can't expect people to just do nice things. Like certain things you used to expect, like, okay, this is a community. You might have kids, so you're going to treat my kids right you are human. I'm a human. Let's, that man, that stuff is all out of the window right now. So Absolutely. it's very special to be able to actually meet and um, interact with individuals who are genuinely just good people. And I, I, exactly. appreciate, I appreciate it, especially in the social media world, too, where people feel like they can <laughs> go ham. You know, <laughs> with no yes. consequences. Just say what they feel like saying, hurt people feelings, treat people bad. Um, we all got something we can say to hurt somebody's feelings, but it's it's the restraint to say, okay, I'm not, oh, I don't have to. It's way more powerful than just being, you know, a, a nasty individual. So um, again, that's that's appreciated. But you're busy too. You're not just being nice. You're busy. You're a boss. <laughs> Ooh, busy, busy. Yes, I am, and I thank God for being busy. I really do. Yeah, I 2023. Do. It's been a busy year for you. I just, I'm watching. I'm a fan. You know, I'm watching from the sideline. I'm like, oh, my God, she rocking and rolling. She doing this, she doing that. <laughs> so, you know, I, but I don't want to give them that first. I want to take them back to Ohio with you. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. So Ooh. what was that like growing up in Ohio? Man, listen, anybody who grew up in Ohio, especially in the Cleveland area, everybody know what it's like, you know. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I grew up there. I was there for 39 years before I moved to North Carolina. Um, you know, I you was just moved? Born 10 years ago. 
Oh, I thought you was 30. Well, yeah, you keep thinking I'm in my 30s. <laughs> no. Listen, I'm pushing 50. I'm a year and a half away from 50. Wow. Hey, listen, we should we gotta celebrate that though. We gotta celebrate that. <laughs> you, you from the Cleveland area, and I know it ain't easy to become be 50 coming growing up in the Cleveland area. Man, no, no. But you know, by the grace of God, I did. I lived in a, a town called Lorraine, Ohio. It's like 20 minutes away from Cleveland. Mm -hmm. um they call us baby cleveland <laughs> um so <laughs> so yeah it was a rowdy city you know i loved it i loved my city um every, it was diverse you know mm -hmm. everyone got along you know i like i said i was born and raised there with my parents um mm -hmm. my sister my brother um had my children there graduated from there it was a great i had a great you know, childhood there. Yeah. I mean, I can't even complain. A lot of people to this day still complain, oh, Lorraine, this, Lorraine, that, but that's what made me. Yeah. That city is what made me today, uh, who I am today. And I, I mean, I can't do nothing but appreciate the people that I was around, you know, from the teachers, my parents, you know, some of my friends, not all friends were good influencers. <laughs> However, those who were there for me and was very supportive, you know, I, I mean, it, it made me who I am today. So. No, I, I love that. You know, that's, a, the, again, a level of positivity because people would jump on that. Like, I mean, I come from North New Jersey. I got a thousand and one bad things to say about North. And people <laughs> know North New Jersey from New Jersey Drive or, you know, there's always something bad. You know, we even recently, they just found out that um, they put the Malcolm X thing out. They found out that somebody from North is the one who assassinated Malcolm X. And it was a mosque. Mm. And so, you know, it's just my city, you know, Cory Booker, all that stuff. But then you, like you said, you start to look back like, if you you doing all this amazing stuff. You only doing it because you were bred there, you know, right? You know what you learned. You can't you can't crap all over that. Like that was that was dope. You know what I mean? Like right. can't remember some amazing things that happened. That it was your platform. That's the platform that you were built on to be able to make you go out into the world and be dope. So I, I definitely it. appreciate that situation. What is one of the fondest memories you have um your childhood there? Oh, um, I don't, you know, I can't even really pinpoint one like, like that. Um, a couple. Let's see. You know, I can go back as far as in like 87, 88, you know, back when the tandems or double bikes were yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the boys around there, they had all the boys around. I, I won't say all majority of the boys around there had these tandems where they were hooked up with speakers and blinkers and rear view mirrors. I mean, they had them loaded <laughs> down. <laughs> that was our Cadillac. So yeah. I, you know, used to ride around on those, um, just hanging out with my friends at the Central Park that we had nearby. You know, everybody just getting together, having a good old time. You know, it was a thing when everybody can get along, we can hang out this specific park and have a good time because a lot of times there was a lot of fighting, yeah. uh, a lot of just off the wall stuff. Um, we had this specific club called Sons of Italy. Instead of us going out fight, we didn't want to fight. We'll go to this club and we'll have a dance battle. That's my favorite. Wow. So we were just talking about that um, just not too long ago. A lot of people were bringing up old memories of you know our childhood. And Sons of Italy was that spot. You know, wow. we all get dressed up in our little biker shorts and 
you know, whatever we had. And go they, I mean, and have a I remember those. <laughs> right with the little pink stripe down the side. You thought I was cute. When Pat, you know, Patrick, the, uh, the the young lady, the, the Caribbean singer, um, Patrick, yes, when she yes. had a biker shorts on and and, and Adina <laughs> Howard and uh, like, yes, going yes. Crazy. <laughs> yes, that was us. I'm so. telling my age, <laughs> <laughs> but I know you were younger than me, so <laughs> I ain't way, but I'm me. I'm 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 in my forties too. So um, okay, I thought yeah, you were in your thirties. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. See, this is a God-fearing woman. This is a, <laughs> the blood is all over her. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, uh, you know what? What? Tell me about school. You know, um, after you graduated high school, what did you do? So when I graduated high school, um, I went to Lorraine High School in, in Lorraine. I graduated in '93. Um, I won't say that I was the best in school because that wasn't um i was supposed to attend central state university i wanted that was my goal got pregnant with my daughter probably that september mm -hmm. that i graduated um ended up you know having her got married at a young age um had a set my second child my son when i was 21 i believe 22 um so when i was Growing up, it was just, I had all of these ideas of what I wanted to do. But because of some of the things that happened to me prior, you know, it kind of changed my mindset. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I grew up fast. Did you feel after. like it was the kids or is any, it was something else that happened that um, prevented you from doing some of those things? So I won't say it was so much the kids, because what I will say is what happened to me. I probably wouldn't have had children mm. had me not being in a situation of being molested okay. um, and going through what I went through as a child. I probably wouldn't have had kids as soon as I did. Yeah. You know, again, I probably would have went to college. Yeah. Um, I would have a, a whole different path would have been taken. Yeah. But, you know, some people don't understand when you go through stuff like that, it does alter yeah. who you are. And I've heard that plenty of times, you know, um, kind of kickstarting you a little too fast. You know what I'm saying? And then at that exactly. age, you know, when you're younger and it's crazy. It's and for guys, too. You know, mm -hmm. it's literally like I heard somebody talking as a scholar. I can't remember who it was recently. They were just saying like when you would, because they talk about guys getting themselves more under control sexually as they get older. And mm -hmm. able, but they say in that age, once we get started, all we looking is to hit, to try to find something, you know, and it's not even that you even know what you're doing. It's just this energy you're trying to get out. But mm -hmm. they always miss out on you guys, on the ladies, like, like as if you guys, because we've been taught this thing that you guys are supposed to be protected in that space. Like you don't have feelings like, and you can't right. act out on those feelings. Otherwise you'd be talked about negatively and things of that nature, but you have the same feelings. And so getting you started a lot earlier, you know, in that space, you're in that, you're looking too. you know what I mean? Cause it becomes normalized, you know what I mean? But right. the shame, you know, um, having to hide, no, can't talk about it because you know we grew up in in black households. <laughs> you know, don't tell everybody. You know, you can't tell your business. So you know, were yeah. you in that space? Were you experiencing that? My parents honestly never. I don't recall my parents ever saying that to me. Okay. Um, 
which you, I understood it. Mm-hmm. But now thinking about it as an adult, I don't know if it's even a right thing to tell a child. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that when you tell a child that, you know, kids tend to absorb what you say, not all of them, because some of them still do what they want to do, but they absorb what you say. And if you say, well, you know, uh, don't speak on this or don't speak on that. Now, when something happens to them, yeah. how do you expect them to come and talk to you about what happened? Well, mommy, daddy told me not to, you know, so yeah. no, but my parents never did that. They never told me anything like that, that I can remember. And I, I, me not being able to verbalize the stuff that happened to me, I don't understand why I didn't. I understand that the person threatened me, you know, and said yeah. things to me. Um, so that scared me. But for my parents to tell me something like that, no, they never did. Because I would have absolutely been able to say, hey, mom, dad, this, and that, and the third happened to me. But, yeah. you know, we have to be careful what we tell our kids, though, yeah, you know, because they will listen to that. So I imagine this was someone close to the family. So yes, it was my uncle and my grandfather. Yeah, see, so that and usually mm-hmm. what happens in this space is not that the parents don't want you to tell. Sometimes the parents is the ones not telling. You yeah. know, I've run into a lot of people I've talked to, um, especially young ladies who've had those situations, and it's a family secret. And it's like maybe those two guys have been ostracized in the family, but outside the family, we're not letting everybody know what's happening in our family. And one thing I've learned about kids, they don't really do what you say as much as they do what you do. Right. And so they're watching you not get that person arrested, you know what I'm saying? Or not, you know, act out towards that person. They're going to be like, well, it is what it is. And so yeah. it takes it into their teenage years and their adulthood and to some, something happens to break the cycle. So, um, yeah, that this is where, where we come with talk about starve talk. We talk about standing tall and reclaiming victory every day, because and I want to touch on it now and I'm touch on it later. But in that phase of your life, how did you stand tall and reclaim victory every day? Once you had your kids, once you got married, and started to make that decision. Okay, I'm not going to go to college, but I'm going to start living my life this way. How did you stand tall and reclaim victory every day? Well, it it was it was really tough for me to do that. Um, it took me a long time, a long time. And when I say a long time, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I probably was in my late 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I apologize for that. Um, late 20s, early 30s, when that happened, um, you know, unfortunately, when when you, you go through molestation, um, you you will never see the world through the eyes of a child, right? Mm-hmm. That's done. And so as I got older, I realized I had grew up with the eyes of an adult as a child. Yeah. And so as I got older, it was like, oh my God, I missed out on this or I missed out on that. Or, you know, I didn't I didn't get to feel like this. Cause I see how other children grow up and they do that, you know, how they're yeah. they're they're growing up and I'm like, man, I missed out on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So as I got older, after I had my kids, of course, that forced me to because I had my daughter when I was 19, my son when I was 21. And that forced me to be even more of an adult. So once I got married, it was like, OK, I really have to be grown yeah. <laughs> now. You know, I have to cook. I have to clean. I have to work. I have to do this. Um, 
And so, man, when I turned maybe my late thirties, it was like something clicked, like, okay, it's time for you to really, you know, you, you have to, first of all, forgive these people who harmed you because I cannot move forward in my life at all. You know, I'm holding so many grudges. I'm mad and I'm just not happy. And so I had to go to God. I knew I had, I knew I believed in God. I knew what my family taught us, but it took me to really have a relationship with him. And that was, like I said, in my late twenties, early thirties, to really be able to move forward and be able to reclaim, you know, everything. I had to gain back everything. I had to talk to God first. Yeah. So that was that was the main thing. That was the first thing I had to do. What does forgiveness so, look like to you? I'm sorry. What does forgiveness look like to you? Um, forgiveness looks like, first of all, God is forgiveness. So if I have him. I have that in my heart. I have forgiveness. And that means I have to let it go. I cannot hold in any anger for what they've done to me. I have to forget. You'll never forget. But for me, I'm kind of forgetting, you know, just, okay, it happened. There's nothing that there's nothing that I can do anymore to get past, you know, I, I've gotten past it. I've gotten past it all. I just have to let it go. And when you let go, you just let God. And, you know, you, you just can't hold that anger. You, yeah. you just have to know that these people, they've done what they've done. But if you continuously, you know, hold on to what they've done to you, they have the power. They, yeah. They're going to, they're winning. Yeah. You lose out on a lot by continuously harping on what they've done to you, you know? So forgiving is just loving people for who they are, regardless to, you know, how bad it is. You know, I still love my grandfather, though he's deceased. I love my uncle, you know, my second husband who verbally and physically abused me. I forgive him. I just actually told another one of my uncles just a couple of weeks ago, he still talks to my ex who's now in prison for murder. Thank God it wasn't me. Cause he did attempt to kill me. Um, don't, don't, we going, we going to get to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I wanted you to paint the picture of forgiveness because even me, I have a blurred vision when it comes to forgiveness, because I feel like my forgiveness is that I don't hurt you. Mm -hmm. And I do agree with the, um, not, continuously harping on it you know and um moving forward but i've never gotten to the point where people always want me to deal with those people i'm like i don't want to deal with them no more like at mm -hmm. all especially if they haven't tried to make amends you know right. what i'm saying like if they had made amends my forgiveness is that i didn't try to get back at you i'm not bad mouthing you i'm not doing anything to hurt you because you hurt me that's right. how i feel about it you know and mm -hmm. so I wanted you to paint your picture of what it looks like, because especially as Christians, you know, um, people like they, they get it confused because a lot of people who telling you to forgive is the person who's doing something greasy. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It, oh, no, nah, you got to forgive. And then they throw God in there. And it's like, nah, like God, I read the Bible and God was real clear on what his 
issues was. It wasn't no no blurred lines. Like you mm. did this, I got at you. If I start decided, if God forgave you, I I stopped getting at you and I started blessing you again, right? Like it was real clear. It wasn't, you know, I right, I'm doing something greasy and because of God, I gotta let you get get away with it. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are taking advantage of in that space. And some of us have all been in that space, especially when you step into the world of Christianity. Like a lot of people were using that, you know, as a way to mm-hmm. take advantage of individuals and, and and that's not a good look. Yeah. No, you know, I I like I said, if I see my I see my uncle a couple years ago at my cousin's funeral. And when mm-hmm. I saw him, you know, he said hello, I said hello, and I kept it moving. Yeah. I don't hold that anger that's in my it. heart. That's it. You know, you I can't. I you can't. respected just, him and the family mm-hmm. by speaking and move on. You don't have to you don't yeah. have to deal. And I and I, you know, that's what that looks like to me. And I want to continue to harp on that because people, the forgiveness portion is a confused space for a lot of people, especially in the faith, you know, in any faith, but definitely that Christianity faith. Like it's a it's a real hazy gray area because people are like, you gotta forgive them. So that means let them come back to your house or no. be around <laughs> them or like, no, mm-hmm. that's not what forgiveness looks like. It's I they try to hurt me and I didn't try to hurt them. And when mm-hmm. I see them, I'm not and I'm not bad mouthing them. I speak, you know, but I, I still keep my distance. And that's just called being smart and being intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> you know yep. That's right. That's just called being intelligent. And so you said you um you started to feel like you forget, you started to forget it. So did you feel like that was a victory? Like that you started to? Yeah, you know, only time that I really think about it or have to reminisce is when I'm writing. Yeah. You know, other than that, I don't sit around and I don't dwell on it. I can't think about it. Like there was a moment in my life where I felt like I was thinking about it all the time. And that was hindering my movement. Yeah. You know, I was stagnant because of it. Yeah. And so now it's like is is dead and in the water. Yeah. Now when I have to start writing on paper, writing my books, then I'm like, oh, okay, I got to relive this, but I'm not crying. I'm not sad. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. That book right behind you, look behind that I won't starve. I ain't never cried that much <laughs> in my life. You know, but it's just yeah. something about becoming a writer or you know, or just an artist, period, because that's your outlet. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you do have to relive those things. But I love what you said, because going back as doing it again, it's like, OK, I don't feel exactly the same as I felt. You can feel the gr- the growth. Yes. You know, you can feel the That's growth. It. Like I was boohooing in this one. This one is like, <laughs> I feel it, but nah. <laughs> I'm all right. You know, so let's, yes. let's jump around a little bit. Let's talk about that experience. Like your first time writing was you were you writing a like. Did that make you write because you had a story to tell about the, the the trauma that you overcame? Yeah. So when I started writing that behind closed doors, um, it was never my intentions to make it a book. Um, I think I just wanted to write it down on paper. I just wanted to because I went to counseling. Counseling didn't work for me. Mm. Um, I went three times and I just felt like people were there for checks. So I was like, I can't do this. Um, so then I just started writing stuff down on a regular old notebook. Um, you know, some people want to write in a journal and they want to tuck it away where people can't see it. But for me, it was on notebook paper. 
out in the open. I didn't care who read it, but mm. it was just therapeutic to just get it off my chest because I found myself lashing out at my husband a lot, not knowing why. And mm. I was like, you know, this is a, he was even like, this is a bit much. Like you lashing <laughs> out on me and I'm not even doing anything. So I started writing it on paper and then he was like, well, maybe you should go ahead and turn it into a book, write down everything and maybe turn it into a book. I said, I don't know. If, I don't know. I can't do something like that. Cause I'm not, I didn't think. Yeah. Can't say what you're not until you start doing it. Right. That right. And so I didn't know I had it in me to actually become an author. So when I started writing that stuff down and then I decided, you know what, let me get more in depth with it and put it into a book that felt good to me because it was just like, I was able to really release it all though. It wasn't verbal. I was able to release all of those words that's been, you know, inside that I wanted to get out and to be able to have other people read it, who's gone through it. You know, that that was that was the best feeling ever. A lot of people were like, oh, my God, I had this issue yeah. and this problem. So it made me feel good to get that feedback. It's, it's crazy because I think about, you know, your life and I don't know the age when the, the molestation happened. But, you know, you had your children um, in 1921 and you were in a marriage that you said didn't work. It's just like it can be a time frame of like, am I ever going to get out of this? Mm -hmm. You know, did you have those thoughts, you know, between the teenage years and then your early 20s and going through it? It's just like, am I ever going to get out of this? I've always thought that. I thought that even when I was in my 30s. Mm. You know, I was like, I always used to ask God, why? Mm. Why? Why, why, why? You know, um, I felt like I was never going to have anything better for myself mm. i thought that i was always going to be in this negative space but i realized it took again for me to really just back up and evaluate me and who i was and when i did that that light bulb clicked yeah well girl you gotta forgive these people mm. you can't move forward until you let some things go. So once I did, I finally got out of this bubble and it was like, okay, now I can breathe a little bit. Did you feel like people weren't seeing you or understanding you, your hurt, your pain or the things you went through? Um, I don't, I don't know. Well, you know, my mom, my mother and my father didn't know until mm -hmm. I was 29 mm. is when I told them. Um, when I told them they, uh, they understood and, you know, they were supportive. My dad was, um, before he died, my mom, she didn't find out everything until I wrote the book. Wow. Um, I didn't know how to tell them my dad was sick with cancer. So I didn't know, I, I didn't want to put all of that on him, yeah. you know, at that, at that moment. Um, and even now he still doesn't know everything cause he passed too soon. Yeah. Um, but Friends, you know, they claim to understand you, you know, after you finally speak on it and they say, oh, I understand because I went through it. So they probably do. But then you have other ones who say, oh, I understand. But then in the back of their head, well, she probably deserves, you know, it's always wow. something yeah. negative, Yeah. you know, so I didn't care. 
whether they understood or didn't understand. Um, I just knew that it was time for me to just be open. Yeah. And just let it all out because it's about my happiness at this point. What about your children? My children, um, they didn't know until, you know, I they got older. I never, you know, got to tell them, you know, what happened until they were older. I could have. I just chose not to. Um, and my kids are so supportive of everything. You know, they felt bad. My son, you know, being a mama's boy, he's very protective of me. Um, he he was in his feelings, of course. Mm-hmm. My daughter as well. Um, but, you know, they've been there. They they understood everything. Um, I mean, what more can you ask for when you have kids that really are there? Because some people, like I said, they they have all these negative thoughts like, oh, well, what did she do to get that? I was six. Six years old. Yeah. You know, so what is it that a six year old could actually do? To you know, deserve something like this. Yeah, and and so and your children were six. You said you were going through a, a issue in your in your household with your your marriage, and that when they were kids, when they were younger. Um, how was that with with them? How how did you protect them from that situation? So my children, they were from my first husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I. It was totally fine. He's a great father. He's been there. He's still there to this day. Um, they were, they saw the second marriage okay. where I went through the abuse. And at that time, I believe they were like, I don't know, eight and six, maybe 10 and eight, something like that. Um, so they saw a lot of arguing. I tried to shield them. Now, kids are not dumb. You know, they can sense issues. And I blame myself because of what I went through. It caused me to choose the wrong people to be in my life. So that's another thing people got to understand when you go through stuff and it alters you. It causes you to make decisions that you shouldn't or that you wouldn't ordinarily make. Right. So I, I made a decision to choose the wrong man in my life. And just, I don't know. I don't know why I did, but I did. And they saw, you know, a little bit of the arguing and, but the abuse, as far as the physical abuse, um, I, I tried to show them from that where they were, you know, I make them go to their father's house. Um, when I knew this person, cause let me just say, he. I found out he was on drugs when we got together. After, yeah. Well, not when we got together. It was a while after we were together. Yeah. And, of course, our feelings were already there. Um, I was in love. And me being who I am, I just wanted to help. Yeah. You know, um, unfortunately, I wanted to help more than he wanted to help himself. Yeah, that's usually how that works. You know, yeah. that's how that works, especially with females. You know, men... I don't know how I say this as a joke sometimes, but it's just the truth because I talk about men and women and I say, you know, a, a man will date a crackhead, you know, like, <laughs> like at the time, like knowing she's that, you know what I'm saying? He probably try to keep it on the low. Right. Like, would meet her knowing she gets high and still with what's the name, but it's usually the females get caught in the mix. They don't know 
and then they find out later because if a female know it up front, most likely she's not going to be bothered. That's right. And right. so, you know, and I and I I say it um comedically because I, I say like it was like oh well um women are this and men are that. I like well look we y'all got us bad off because we could take y'all as a crackhead. <laughs> 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 Something about a woman we got to have a woman you know the men who like women we got to have a woman we'll take them however you know what I mean we might try to keep them <laughs> in the closet but we gonna take. Them to a look. <laughs> We go yeah. tell she this so she that. We go, hey, don't worry about it. I'm going over here. But females, if y'all know better, y'all attempt to do better when it comes to that. Because right. Y'all are, are operating. Y'all don't want to go down with lifestyle, you know, why it's, you know, things of that nature. So right. it usually happens like that. Females get duped into, you know, he's still functional at a point. But the longer he keep going, it's, at the while, it's going to get a hold of him. He can't be functional no more now. She, the slip is showing. He can kind of see. You can see that. Hey, he's doing this, but you already love him. You know, you are. That's right. Situation. You already invested in him or the relationship in some way, shape, form, or fashion. You know, you're living. Right. Or y'all paying bills together. Things is going on. Hey, maybe it might be cheaper to help him <laughs> than go <laughs> find an apartment. You know, uh, <laughs> cars in both of our name. You know what I mean? Like, hey, <laughs> go to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. So that's tough. You know, I grew up around a lot of that. So um I imagine you were trying to get him rehab or you know, yeah. yeah and it just he, he just wasn't ready. No, I mean, I you know, I went to church with him, got him into church. Um he was even in the the playing the, the drums at the church. Um going to rehab you know, just, I was going with him, you know, I was doing everything that I could possible to help him because at the end of the day, to be honest, he was a good guy when he was clean, yeah. he would give you the shirt off of his back. Um, but like you said, they get so far gone. It's like, okay, that's it. And so he got so far gone to where I'm like, you know, I can't continue to help somebody who don't want the help. Yeah. And, it became, you know, physically abusive. He attempted to kill me. He put a gun to my head the night my best friend passed away. Um, he drugged me by a car down a busy road. Mm. Um, I went through a lot, and I knew, I knew before that I'm done. But with the hold that he had on me, the threats, all the stuff that he was putting me through, it was so tough to to leave yeah you know and people will tell you oh you can just leave that's not true you don't know until you're in that situation not true not even a little it's not even a little bit i did it's it natural i did a doc um on domestic violence years ago i'm gonna do another one um uh, it's 2015 it was called um unbeatable and the thing that I, I think we had like six people and the thing that was in common is nobody told anybody and it was a gentleman too. It was one man and five women. And all of them, the thing that they had in common was nobody knew. Like mm. the man didn't tell anybody because, you know, he probably had been clowned. But, you know, he went to drugs because he was being abused by two women, you know, first first wife, second wife. He was being abused. These women, he met women who wanted to abuse him, like to the point where one stabbed him in the eye. Like it was just that bad. Oh, wow. You had a whole bunch of other stuff, and like I'm, and all, my question to everybody was like, "Why didn't you say anything?" <laughs> you know, right? 
And um, you said something that stuck out to me about bringing them to church. What was that like? Oh, well, he's a part of the church. You So you introduced him to the church. Or you guys were going to church together at the time or did you introduce him? Um, we were going together. Um, we start, I was going to a whole different church before I met him. And then this particular church, which is my sister's church. I was like, well, we could start going to this church because it was literally around the corner from my house. So I was like, well, let's just start going together. And we did. Yeah. And he joined the, you know, the started playing music there. And that was the worst decision I could have ever made. Seriously. So like that because was it no support or did he get worse to church or what was going on? Yeah. He he got worse. <laughs> it's bad when your pastor's paying you to play drums and you get money in your pocket. First thing you want to do is blow it on drugs. Yeah. And then you get high at the church. Wow. In the church. In the bathroom. Wow. You got uh, other dealers from the streets that go to this church as well confronting us in the church. That's like, a, why are y'all confronting me? That's a because, That's how it works. It's crazy. And then, and they'll tell they like look, and this is coming from you know we talked about my story. Like they'll tell you they'll be like, yeah, I'm gonna go get some money for my girl to pay you, you know, because they owe you or or my mom or you know, and they put you in those type of situations. They put family members in that type of situation. Yes. You know, what I'm saying or loved ones in that type of situation. You you know you never know what they saying to get that demon. You know what I mean? Especially if they on, on heroin or crack. They're like, look. Crack. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, I tell people all the time, I say, you, you, that's the worst customer, a, a crackhead or a meth head. You might as well move past them. There's nothing business about them. If you, they know where you live at, they knocking on your door. Yes. Come to your yes. house. And if it's a meth head, they're going to come in your house. <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> hide around the corner. Hey, yeah, yeah come on out. It's Two, three o'clock in the morning, they do not care. And it's mm -hmm. a dangerous situation. And so you got kids and 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 people like, hey, I want my money by any means necessary. So they're like, hey, I see you with him. I'm, I'm going to come after you. I'm going to talk to you. And and to say that is in the church, I'm like, wow, church has changed <laughs> so much. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Church, but the, to have the drug dealers in the church? like hey, Right, right. Yeah, that was scary. That was scary. Um, you know, he he set this guy up, and the guy, yeah, he really. It was it was horrible because I'm just like, when he set him up, and he was with, he was a CI, you know, for these the police, and one day I was with him, not knowing he was wired, oh, and he asked me to take him to his boy's house, and I he was clean. Yeah. And that day. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna drop, you know, run him by there. And he went in there and did a whole setup. Wow. I had no idea until we're in the car and we're talking. And the guy got to hear that recording when he got busted and heard my voice in the background talking to him. Mm. And I'm like, I can't believe I got put in this situation. But by the grace of God, nothing happened to me. He also have done where um, <laughs> he, God, I could, man, it's just, I think that part, that's going to make me mad just thinking about it. He just put me through 
so much. I know. I, I I get it. I get it. I get it. And so, you know, I I you know, this is the part of the story that people need to hear because they'll put it on VH1 and hear their favorite celebrity that they can't put their fingers on. They can't touch. But it's a sister like yourself who, you know, they can't put their fingers on. They can't connect with. And you you got a smile on your face. You know, you have met your 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 king, not your Prince Charming, but your king, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're happy at this point in your life. Things are happening. But it's like it doesn't it's not you don't wake up to happy. You know, it's a process <laughs> to get. Yeah. To- you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. The real process, not not just something that I made up just because you're gifted as a writer. Like, no, it's a real process. I've been forged through the fire. You know, if you see the shining like a diamond, it's a real diamond because it's actually been through the fire. It's been through everything. So what was the turning point? What was the turning point for your, your life, period? Like, hey, when was that and what, and what did what happened in the turning point? Turning point was back in 2013, I believe. Um, I divorced that my second husband in 2012. Um, 2010, I had it. Um, and let me just go back a little bit with that because the turning point started when in 20, 2009, I believe I was sitting in my living room and I kept asking God, why, 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 why? And I never, ever will forget because he was in the, in his, in the bedroom and I'm sitting on my floor and I'm throwing my hands up and I'm crying and I'm just calling Jesus. And I just kept calling on Jesus, just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And I said, why? And I'll never forget. He said in my ear as plain as day, Sit still, be still is what it, it what it was said. Be still, and so I had to obey that. That was the first step to me obeying. I knew I had to start obeying him, you know. So when I did that, I knew some change was going to come. So I sat still and I waited. 2010, he was arrested because he tried to kill me again, and he got arrested. Um, he finally ended up going to prison for multiple charges, plus what he's done to me. Um, got away, divorced him in 2012 when he was locked up. 2013, I ended up um <laughs> I ended up going on a dating site because I knew I was gonna go, I was gonna move to North Carolina um that following year. And I got on this dating site and it was like datehookup.com it was something real corny and I just wanted to see what type of guys was here in North Carolina it just so happened my husband now he was on there and so somehow we started conversating and I didn't put a picture up and he said to me why don't you have a picture on your profile I said because I'm not looking for a man I just want to see what kind of guys are in North Carolina because I'm moving he said oh you must be ugly Oh, <laughs> from that point, we started conversating every single day up until today. We we every day. Um, so when we met in December of 2013, we got married in 2014 in April. 
Wow. Um, I ended up moving because I was supposed to move July of 2014. I ended up moving here March 1st of 2014. We got married in April. See, this that is, was the turn. You go back into that. And 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 um I, I dig it because I'm I've always been a fan of long distance relationships because for and you can tell me if I'm wrong, it seemed like that was the time when you actually got a chance to really get to know get to know a brother. And a mm -hmm. brother to know you. Yep. And, That's and right. People that all the time, I'm like, you know, y'all think about long distance relationships the wrong way, and especially the way it is now. Like everybody's fast. You know, when we grew up. It was like you call it, you had a fast. You fast, right? And mm -hmm. so, and the older you get, the faster you get. It's not like you get. Right. It's like being honest as grown people. You like I. He looks like somebody I want. She likes somebody I want. Why are we waiting? Right. Then you done already done got in the mix. Now you're trying to get to know this person. And you're like, yeah. person, but damn, he crazy as hell. <laughs> you know, <laughs> two months down the line, you know? Yeah. Just too much, you're just in bliss. You're having fun, something new. It is what it is. But you had months of just talking. Of just yep. kicking it. And this, you know, A, really having a conversation with somebody and getting to know somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's a whole different process, you know? So that's why it wasn't weird to me when you said that, because I'm like, oh, you, you probably know him way more than you knew anybody that you, yeah. even though he was at a distance, cause you got a chance to actually build with him. That's right. And you're right. Um, it was back when we had Skype. So, yeah. you know, we were, you know, talking, we get to see each other, you know, and if he got on my nerves, I can Please close that laptop. And I ain't got to talk to him. You know, <laughs> what did he say when he first saw you? <laughs> he asked me to send him a picture. And when I sent him the picture, he's like, this ain't you. Oh, wow. And I said, yes, it is. He said, I think you're catfishing me. Wow. And I said, no, it's really me. So then he said, okay, we need to Skype. He was like, oh, that was you. And I'm like, okay. I, and this was 10 years ago. In his defense, in his defense. <laughs> You know, you know, we are we are people of a certain age, right? So, uh -huh. I remember calling wrong, like as as the guys, we used to call wrong numbers on purpose, right? <laughs> the girls at night, like so, it'd be like late at night, like eight. Well, I say like 10, 11 o'clock at night. You call the wrong number, and a girl with a good voice going to phone, like, hey, yo, what's up? What's up? Let's start talking. <laughs> but for some reason, the unattractive young ladies sound the best on the phone. <laughs> best conversation. There was everything. And then you, you know, um, they used to call it like you, you'd be baby caking on the phone for like two months. And then you finally see him. You're like, no, oh. <laughs> he yes. before and he was probably like, nah, man. he actually did go through that. Cause he went through that same dating site with somebody else. And he said, the girl sounded cute. And uh, then when he finally met up with her at a restaurant, he was like, oh my God. He said, that is not what I heard on the phone. Yeah, that that was a thing back in the day, you know. Well, you know, we was calling wrong numbers, and you couldn't, you know, you find out somebody had a call ID or you start sixty nine, like, <laughs> right? Block your number. So you know, <laughs> we was way more intelligent than now. You know, what I mean, like we yeah. had those dope things we could do. But yeah, <laughs> get, it, get it. But yeah, I wanted to see what he said. <laughs> so he was happy and pleased with what he saw. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he was happy. Um... Like I said, I, I made a trip down. I came down to North Carolina because, I, like I said, I was going to move anyway. 
I came down to look at some houses, um, end up meeting him in person. Um, we hit it off in person, you know, after a month, but then I came back home. We continued just to talk on the phone. March rolled around, end of February rolled around and he was like, I want you to come, you know, sooner than July. And I'm like, I don't, but you said something earlier, when you know, you know, because, you know, we're, we're grown. Yeah. And so after us talking and, you know, getting confirmation and praying, it was like, this is, this is it. Yeah. And so the peace that I was in, I felt so much peace after praying about everything and about the move and about him, it was time to go. Yeah. So I packed up, he came to Ohio, got my U-Haul for me, packed it up, and drove on back down. <laughs> March 1st, I made it home. Not this lady. He said, I ain't got no time for this foolishness. I'm going to... Right. <laughs> right, right. Man, though, because you don't have to... Ain't no need to wait. You know, ain't no need to wait. No. On, hey, she out there, go get her. You know, and even if you had you got social media, you meet somebody, they can be in, on the other side of the world. Look, if you if you you know have those situations, hey, I'm I'm going to go get it. You know what I mean? And most real men don't have to go yeah. through all of that. Like, look, we're going to go ahead and make this happen, and we're going to bust a move. You know, I'm sure he has um his own things that he went through, and he probably was mm -hmm. at the point and was like, all right, look, I I need that. I need my woman. You know, I need my bride. Yeah. And so yeah. that was that. And so what what happened once you you know of course the marital bliss portion, the the honeymoon, and then everything like that. But when did you start to get into you to like, all right, I want to be in business, my career, things of that nature. At what point through the journey was like, all right, I'm about to start leveling up and being the person who I wanted to be? 2017 is when I started, you know, figuring out what I needed to do for me to be a better me. And that's when I started writing, you know, the first book. And then I wrote the, the journal, the second book to coincide with the first then I wrote the children's book. Um, I'm working on my fourth book. Um, so from 2017 up until today, it's just been, you know, I, I've been trying to figure out what I want to do or trying to figure out who I really am when it comes to, you know, just, you know, being a better me when it comes to, you know, writing or whether it comes to acting or whatever it is i've been dibbling dabbling you know what i'm saying in everything oratory phase and yeah. and yeah. the thing is you didn't have that when you were younger no you didn't have that when you were younger and so one thing i tell people about this thing called life is that you know you can't skip steps if you are if you do life if you live long enough life is going to make you go back through those steps Yes. Didn't have the exploratory phase of life. You just had to make decisions like, hey, it's, I'm grown right now and I got to deal with this. And so obviously you've been presented with a level of comfort that you can actually make that choice to say, OK, well, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that and I'm going to see. And you're not worried about the world closing in on you or caving in on you because you're experimenting. Is that accurate? Right. Yes. Very accurate. Um, I will say sometimes I do, I don't want to say hate, but I do dislike the fact that I have gotten to this age 
where now I'm trying to figure it out. I know God has a purpose, but I, I don't like, I, I, sometimes I just don't like it because I wish that all of that would have happened when I was younger, because I'm, I'm sure a lot more would have happened in my life and for positive reasons, you know what I mean? But because of me going through those negative things, again, I had to wait until now, but that's where I had to go back and say, well, it's not about me. This is what God had for me. You know, this is, I have to accept what I've gone through and, you know, deal, take what I have and, and keep it moving. You know, things could be di totally different, you know, had, you know, things been different then, but it played out the way it played out for a reason. I may not be, I may not have written a book, three books now on my fourth i may not be acting you know it's great so, it gets greater later you know and yeah learn that because you know i feel the same way when you tell me these time stamps we so align you and i because 2013 is when my life changed when when i had to make a shift and i was working for eight dollars an hour just 10 years ago at this time in in august of 2013 i was working for eight dollars an hour so mm. it, um, and then in 17 was my first year as a six figure earner. Wow. And I was able to, you know, I reinvested every profit that I had back into my business and got a building and started doing things. And, and that opened me up. And that's when I first started thinking about a book and speaking and I won't starve was became a company then. Like, so like all those things, yeah. I finally got a chance to explore. And I felt the same way because I had a lot of money as a kid. I was a child hustler, you know what I mean? A teenage hustler. And then, in, in, mm -hmm. you know, facing time in prison and because I was hustling and I made a bunch of money and I'm like, man, I'm paying for going to trips with my family now. Like I had, a, I had a whole bunch of money when I was in the street and I wasn't traveling. I'm like, why wasn't I traveling then? You know, why wouldn't I right. <laughs> and have this thing and own homes and, no, I had multiple apartments to hide drugs, but I didn't have multiple houses that I can own to be an investor. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel bad about that because now being an investor and nobody's there to help me and, and the money, you know, making money, but it's like, it's, it don't come as fast as it come with drugs. So you're like, right. <laughs> and you taking your time you're like, man, I wish I could have did this. And you know what? Cause I would have did, I would have messed it up. Right. I would have messed it up. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have went as smooth as it go now. You know what I'm saying? Like, when it go, we go on vacation and come back. We not worrying about nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, the car go in the shop. We not worrying about nothing. I'm not looking in the rearview mirror. And, you know, I sleep different. You know what I mean? Like, and I can just imagine that you sleep different because nobody's oh, yeah. trying to abuse you. You know what I'm saying? In no way, yeah. form of fashion. You know, you're not worried about, your babies are not babies anymore. You know what I mean? So they've become a part of the team now. Yeah. So it's greater because now those friends that you got rid of, it could have been a guy friend and a female friend. Now the substitution is your babies that you know going to hold you down. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's definitely greater later. Yes. It's something in us to feel that and really understand that and, and that covenant that you make with God, even with yourself, to you know, refrain from the BS now because it's supposed to be late. It's not supposed to be when you die. It's just hold off of this nonsense you don't need right now 
because in a couple of years, you're going to get everything you do need coupled with some of the stuff that you want because the stuff that you get, but you want now, you ain't even going to want that. Five right. <laughs> you right. Know, everything you need. And now you're going to be able to get the things you do want right now. And it's just going to feel better. Going to Jamaica, going to all these islands as Nisi today, it's going to be a whole lot different then Nisi in the, at 21, 22. Oh, yeah. Islands, you're going to appreciate it different. You're going to do it differently. You're going to be treated differently. So, yeah. you know, if I can speak into your life with that situation, because I just identify with it so much. Yes. And it, you did. And it, you know, everything you said, it feels good yeah. today. It, it, I mean, I can breathe. I can absolutely breathe. And, you know, you said, you said it, my kids are grown. And they are there. I have my grandbabies. Mm. You know, I things could be different. I could absolutely not have my two grandchildren who I love to death. Mm. You know, because of my of you know me altering what God had planned for me. If I would have done something totally different, it would be totally different right now. And I, I'm I'm very very grateful and blessed for everything that I've gone through. And I tell people that all the time. I just told my uncle, please tell that man, the guy who abused me, my other uncle, tell him it's all good. Because he told him to tell me he was sorry for everything he put me through. He just said this a couple weeks ago. And I said, tell him it's okay. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm not mad. You know, karma will get everyone who's done you wrong. And, you know, you just sit back and you just let things happen. Yeah. And, you know, what comes to you is for you. And I'm grateful for everything that's come my way. I'm grateful to be 48 and having, though it's late, I'm grateful for everything. It's right on time. You, you're acting right now. And I wanted, I wanted to end with the acting portion because it's so dope. I mean, again, as an artist, a fellow artist, you know, photographer, comedian I don't, people don't even know that I, I do that on the side I mean like and I don't even mm -hmm. do it for funny that's just actually I did that for two years now literally two years mm -hmm. wife's birthday in August of 2021 that was a that was part of her birthday present oh I did that for her I literally did an, imp an impromptu situation went to a comedy show and did a set oh wow and um knocked it out the park <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've never been booed I probably did it oh. about times never been booed but I, I never did it for money. Never even attempted to, you know, they, they, they work too late for me. Like, I'm like, I'm going to start at 12 o'clock at night. I'm like, now nah, I'm good. <laughs> so you too old for that now, right? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I go to sleep. I'm like, I'm an early dude. Like y'all can do y'all something at seven. Cause I get up at five o'clock in the morning, but <laughs> yeah. You know, but again, doing that, that's why I say, I understand the exploratory phase. It's just making me happy. Like do, doing that of course, wrote, wrote four books, looking to write until I leave this earth. Um, everything I do artistically, like I always, people look at you like you're doing that now. Like you're trying this now. You're not trying this at 19, not trying this at 15 or 21, 22. And I'm like, you know, no, I'm doing it now. And I'm, but again, I'm chilling, I'm having fun. So what is it like for you? Like I I'm acting right now, like really acting. <laughs> you know, that's one thing that I never thought I would touch. Totally um, you know, when you're little, you you pretend like you're an actor or actress or whatever. 
But I used to watch the soap operas and I used to always in my head, like, oh, I wish I can be that person, but never thought about becoming an actress. Um, I was in a play when I was in sixth grade. That was it. <laughs> and so it just so happened to fall in my lap um, in February, this past February. Um, it was posted. They were looking for actors and actresses. And, you know, so I just took a shot. I'm laying in bed late at night and I was like, oh, I'm just going to hit interested. Nobody's going to respond to me. Yeah, right. This is a whole scam is what I'm thinking. <laughs> and so I get a respond back and they're like uh, asking all these questions. I'm giving them answers. Um, they ask for a headshot. They ask, you know, just different stuff. I end up sending them uh, one of my acting challenges from TikTok. Mm -hmm. um, next thing you know, the next day I get a message. Oh, you've been, there was no um, auditioning. Yeah. for it um this person delinda k she's lover to death she gives people opportunities where others will not you know she's been in a situation where she's been trying to become she was trying to become an actress or something where she had to audition and they'll turn good people away she yeah. didn't want to do that she wanted to give everybody an opportunity so she did that and so when i got that opportunity i said oh this gotta be a joke this got to be a joke. And then it said, yes, I've been casted in this movie called Sheltered. Yada, yada, yada. What? Me? Not me. And so when I got the script, I knew it was real. So from that point, I was like, okay, I, I like this. You mm -hmm. know, when I started filming that first movie, we did finish it up. I love it. Yeah. Now we're working on the second movie. We actually started filming today. Wow. Um, I go in three weeks to start filming. Um, but it's been a ball. I love it. And I don't ever want to stop. I don't want to stop. I love it. I love it. What's your advice to somebody who, because, you know, you didn't think about it, but somebody's thinking about it, but they think that their time has passed. What's your advice to them? Your time has not passed until you're dead and in the ground. Yeah. So as long as you are walking, talking, and breathing, you have an opportunity to move forward in whatever it is you want to do. Um, you know, don't let anything or anyone hinder you. You know, it starts with you. You know, you have to forgive those who've harmed you. You know, if that's what's holding you back, you just have to let those negative things go and just keep pushing no matter how old you are. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's crazy, man. I, I, I was so excited for you when I saw that, but just the journey period, because, we have to champion each other, you know, and especially people that look like you and I. Yes. We shame each other. You know, we make each other feel better than any other community ever makes us feel. Like we, we people of a certain age, we understand racism. We know how to navigate it or whatever the case may be. But we don't talk about how we do us so bad. And I'm not talking about the Chicago shootings or nothing like that. I'm just talking about. We really have the thought process. I'm not going to give a black person a shot and we're a black person. I'm not going to spend my money with this person or I had a bad experience at their store, you know, so I'm never going back. And you've had 1800 bad experiences at 1800 different Walmarts. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just yes. like, we have zero tolerance. If we, if it's not perfection, I don't want him. I don't want her. You know what I mean? We're just so hard on each other. You know, I just mm -hmm. everything right. And that's why sisters are, dying because they're trying to make themselves look like something and the brothers got to make millions of dollars and it ain't that, many, that much money to go around. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> unrealistic expectations on us and our parents and and family members and the judgment and everything like that. So we have to champion each other who are really stepping out there and being their most authentic self. And so Absolutely. allow me to, you know, salute you for, for, for stepping out there and just taking that, that shot, man, and doing something that you said that you don't ever want to stop doing. Like, that's an amazing thing to hear for real, for real. Well, let me tell you, I thank you. And, and I mean this sincerely from the bottom of my heart between you and Tamika, you guys have no idea because I watch you just like you say you watch me and I, I do I watch you and you actually inspire me though I can't do what you do some people can't do what I do and I can't do what somebody I still watch I watch you as a black man just climb the ladder where others are trying to climb where they're still at the bottom but you study climbing and climbing and climbing and when I watch you I'm like this man out here making moves for his family. Like you're doing everything that somebody else wishes they can do. And so you guys actually inspire me. Tamika does the same thing. I'm like, look, at, I, I love it. I just, it's something about you too that I just get this, this energy. Like when I first met you guys, when I did the interview, I loved y'all. Me and Davida talked about you guys so much. I love y'all. It's my Gemini. And <laughs> I really appreciate you too. I really do. Thank you. And she's going to hear this because, you know, we, 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 when we connected, even, I mean, I remember me and Tamika, she put in her book. I, I we was, we were done because I was, I had like a $40,000 event going on and she made a mistake with something. And I was like, oh, you know, no, not, I'm not, my wife said, you, she ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> she ain't going nowhere. Like, no, you need her. Like, and and it's been that. And like literally like two months, yeah. a month later, here come the pandemic. And we've been stuck together ever since. Like, <laughs> wait, you know, we just alike. Our birthday's a couple of days apart. Oh, wow. Literally just alike. And so, you know, she's a female version of me and it was needed. And we got stamped by my boss and it's, the rest is history. <laughs> so we out here trying to take over the world. So Yeah, yeah she, I love it. We hear, hear, hear that. And she speaks so highly of you. Um, it's, it's just been amazing and I, I want our relationships to keep on going and I want to support whatever it is that you're doing you know and as Thank I always said I don't mind coming to oh, North Carolina is it's home team because I've been spent most of my a good portion of my adult life in South Carolina so I'm familiar with the area but anywhere whatever you're doing we want to be a part of it you know what I'm saying? I wish I would have known because we just had our movie premiere back in June oh man look and I would have said come on <laughs> you one right now so you know Hey, well, when the premiere is coming out. Let me know. We'll be there. <laughs> so we'll do. We'll we'll advertise. We'll do another interview. Whatever you want us to do, we we here for you. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey, I still pick up the camera too. You know, so if I need to come and shoot up something, come on. <laughs> look, my 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 this portion of my life was built by a camera. You know, I don't use it as much as I used to because the pandemic kind of shut it down. And it was perfect timing for me to step out. My second book, You Won't Start, was coming out at the same time. And so that kind of worked out for me. But, hey, I still do that, too. You know, so. Yeah. Like, whatever you need, I'm, I'm I'm here for you. You know, so um, we we, we got to do that for each other. We got to yes. champion each other. And we got we can't just talk about it. We got to be about it. For real, for real. You're right. You're yeah. right. Look, you embody, starve, stand tall and reclaim victory every day because, you had so many times that you could have gave up. 
Yes. Yeah. So many times you could have gave up, and you know, so many people that have given up. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. For what you went through. Yep. Yeah, you're right. You're so, right. <laughs> this is why we created this show. This is what this is about. I want to salute you, and we we're gonna get the claps and everything because. I always say we having a dope show because I make sure we have dope individuals and, and you are just that. And um, I, I just can't wait to see what you got up in store next, <laughs> you know, Thank the, you. Book, the next movie, all that other good stuff. Now I got to have conversations with you because I got movie ideas and I, I got nothing but stuff to say and talk about. So we got to have some, we got to chop it up about yeah. that. Speaking of that, I'm turning my book into a movie. Working on that now. Just started writing the script for it. So there it is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, close out for me. Give give them give us something on the just with starve in mind. Stand tall and reclaim victory every day. Give give us something to close out with on that. Listen, like you said, stand tall and reclaim. Rec I can't even get it out. Stand tall and reclaim victory every day. Those words are true. You have to do just that. In order to make it, you have to do just that. You need to live by those words. No one's going to do it for you. You have to be that one to stand tall. And while everyone else is pulling you down, you have to continue to stand tall. So I did. I'm living proof. Yeah. People try to pull me down, pull me out. I mean, listen, I had to stand tall and I'm going to continue to do that until my last day here on this earth of it. Tell everybody how they can find you and get your books and see the, the first movie and, and, and get prepared for the second one and all that stuff. Yes. So you can purchase my books on Amazon. Um, you can get all three of them on Amazon. Um, I still have to revamp my, my uh, website. But until then, go to Amazon.com. You can purchase them through me by reaching out to me at imdcj uh, at gmail.com. Um, our movie, which is Sheltered, it's out. We're just waiting for it. got picked up by Hulu, Tubi, uh, Peacock, Apple TV, and uh, Amazon Prime. So those movies, we're waiting on dates for those to be released. Um, the next movie that's coming out is called Forever Loved. Like I said, we just started filming that one today. So that will be coming to those same platforms. So if you would like to get a book, um, again, Amazon.com, or you can contact me at IMECJ. You can get an autographed copy through me doing that. Love it. Make sure you contact her. You guys already know how to get in touch with us. And as you're watching this on the playback on YouTube, you're going to see it all on the, on the screen. And we'll put everything in the notes so you can get it You know, from the audio space as well. Um, go to I won't starve.com, you know, lock in with everything that we're doing. Go to YouTube at Starve Talk and subscribe and see what we're doing. This podcast is on every podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, everywhere else. And, you know, connect with me directly. I am Jay Halim on all platforms. If you got a story that fits the criteria of stand tall and reclaim victory every day, holla at us. You know, holla at Tamika, who she talked about. You know, that's another one of my bosses. <laughs> I'm a restaurant. <laughs> Tell me what to do. Jhalim.com, <laughs> so, <laughs> email her. But just go into the website and um, hit us up. And so we can talk to you and see about your story. Listen, this has been another dope episode. As I said before, 
I'm signing off. Your boy Jay Halim with the lovely Nisi J. I'll see y'all next time. Peace. I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. Studio with Jay Halim. I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. You are now in the studio with Jay Halim.